0: Greetings to the brightest audience in the country and welcome to Theology Thursday. I'm Nicole McBurney. Every weekday we bring you the news of the day, the culture, and science from a Christian worldview. But today, join me and Pastor Bob Enyart as we explore the source of our Christian worldview, the Bible. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas to all. We have arrived at a place in history where the phrase, Merry Christmas, has become not just a holiday greeting, but a statement of religious tolerance and virtually a statement of faith. For millions, including for my family, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. And while we are seeing an all-out assault on the remembrance of the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago, I am thankful that many Christians are using the intolerance against the baby Jesus in schools, the marketplace, and in the public square, we are using that intolerance as an opportunity to share our faith. For that little baby grew up to become the pivotal person in human history. I've been persuaded by the evidence that the Bible, this book, is the Word of God. And according to the Bible, God the Son, our Creator, became flesh being incarnated in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. That boy grew up into a man who lived a sinless life. And because of his love and the truth that he spoke, the religious leaders viewed him as the enemy. And by the authority of Rome, they crucified him. But the grave could not hold the Son of God. So three days later, he rose from the dead. Well, over the last decade, liberals have promoted their age of tolerance through the media and the public school curriculum. And today, we witness a crescendo of anti-Christian bias from them, such that their multiculturalism has no place even for the mention of Christmas, let alone Christ. But rather, in public, we should all celebrate some nondescript holiday. The only official holiday in human history which should not be named. The intolerance has gone so far that some school districts have prohibited even the orchestral music of Handel's Messiah. Even without the words being sung, you can't play the music in some school districts. The beautiful people have deemed the music itself intolerable. The melody, the rhythm, and harmony, all to be unacceptable, with bands not even allowed to play even just a musical rendition of Silent Night. Each year, the First Lady lights our nation's tree in Washington, D.C. But now, according to Fox News, this year, They are not even calling it a Christmas tree. Have you heard? It's a holiday tree at the White House. Whatever in the world that is. And at one school district, the intolerance has become a comic opera in Plano, Texas, prohibiting even napkins printed in colors red and green. If you have red and green colors on the napkins, you can't have them in the school district. Interestingly, Christianity, which is an utterly exclusive religion, if you deny Christ, he said he will deny you. That's exclusive. So it's so interesting that Christianity is the utterly exclusive religion, yet Christians who founded America provided the world with the greatest religious tolerance it has ever seen. And the liberals who get increasing control over our country are the ones whose bigotry is becoming legendary. Those who've told the world that they respect all people and all religions, that they believe in tolerance, multiculturalism, respect and free speech, so much so that they even support the right of children to go to public libraries and check out books on drugs and pornography. That's how much they believe in free speech. These people are actually intolerant and utterly so when it comes to Jesus Christ. So much so that they fear and will even suppress Christmas carols. Christmas carols. And all historical references for America's December 25th holiday. And all symbols of that baby's birth. In the manger with the lambs their anti-christian bigotry even motivates them to censor the phrase christmas tree just a christmas tree we have a national holiday it's called christmas we put up trees they're christmas trees they censor even that in the greeting merry christmas And even just the simple mention of the name of our national holiday is not allowed in thousands of public schools that the day is Christmas. You can't say it, and you better not write it. Christmas is being systematically purged by liberals in the public square. So that kids will not even be able to learn from the government or from the public schools which holiday it is that they are actually celebrating. They won't be able to learn that from school. The Nazis in Germany replaced Christmas with a winter holiday, and the beautiful people in America want to do the same. The man in America who's leading the charge to get Southern Baptists to pull their kids out of the public schools, have you heard about that effort? That man's name is Brian Short. He's a longtime friend of our ministry. In fact, yesterday he emailed me saying that he enjoys handing out our nicer than God pamphlets. And Brian points out the irony of Plano, Texas, prohibiting kids in that district from giving each other gifts if they refer to Christ or banning even red and green napkins in Plano, Texas, and he points out the irony that that extreme intolerance has happened there in Plano. You know why that's an irony? It's, a, it's ironic because Plano is the home of the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he's the pastor of the megachurch there, and he is the one who rejected Bryan's re- resolution which urged an exodus from the public schools. And of course, the reasoning was, you don't understand the public schools in our neighborhoods are Christian friendly. The public schools in our neighborhoods are the good schools. Right. Can I get a napkin, please? (laughs) A legal one? And this year, we Christians had to rain on Denver's annual parade by crashing it just to retain the right to sing Christmas carols in public. My son and daughter-in-law, Josiah and Jana, in New Jersey, on Tuesday, they may go caroling in Maplewood where the mayor is put out a press release. He's holding an illegal Christmas caroling night because the city has said you cannot sing Christmas carols on the property or in the high schools. So he's having people meet in front of the town high school to go Christmas caroling. That's the mayor. Exactly 10 years ago, my family took a copy of USA Today and we modified it to read USA Tomorrow. And we redated it from 1994 to December of 2004 and I actually have it right here. So it's 10 years later. And here is USA Tomorrow, as you can see. And we just sort of predicted some of the articles that might come out 10 years later. And it's fun. Let's see, the front page, how's the stock market doing? The Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, let's well, see, it climbed to 3,800. How's that, 3,800, it closed on Friday at what? 10,650. Boy, if you just went long, Art, for the last (laughs) decade, you would have tripled your money. That's pretty good. All right, now, in our USA Tomorrow, what we did was we made up some stories from the future. Like there's one here about someone who's charged with wasting water by flushing a a low-flow toilet twice. (laughs) Charged with wasting water. And there's this boy charged with harassing a living species for yelling at pigeons. But this one here I wanted to bring your attention to. It's uh, from Kenosha, Wisconsin. And it says here, a racial discrimination case initiated by clerks at a local music store was acted upon by the EEOC. The Equal Employment Agency chairman agreed that, quote, the retail outlet harasses minority workers by playing Bing Crosby's White Christmas. Okay, now, White Christmas. That's coming from what we've been reading and hearing in the news. There is such an utter intolerance against anything to do with Christmas. This week, hopefully, Dave Dianovic and Tony Funderburk and I are gonna try to put put together a, a melody, a little musical montage a collage of popular Christmas songs, and when you get to the offending words, just bleep them out, censor them out. So we'll have I'm dreaming of a white beep, and we'll see how that goes. We'll send it to Sean Hannity. Or it could be I'm dreaming of a red, brown, yellow, black, and white Christmas. That would probably be acceptable also. We should focus our attention, not on the winter solstice, not on the creation, but the Creator. Because the angels, the heavenly hosts, cried out peace on earth, goodwill toward men, but not through a secular utopia, but as they said, by giving glory to God in the highest. The world remembers countless famous people throughout history, but rarely do we share public knowledge of the circumstances of their births. We know about famous history, but how did these guys, how were they born? What was the circumstances? But that's not true for great men of the Bible, like Adam and Isaac and Jacob and Moses, but especially Jesus. Many millions of people know details of his birth, for his coming had been prophesied For 4,000 years, it was believed that mankind's deliverer would be born of a woman. Ever since God prophesied to Adam in the Garden of Eden that the seed of the woman, a descendant of Eve, would defeat Satan. And it was believed that the Savior would be born of a virgin. For 600 years prior to that first Christmas, ever since Isaiah had prophesied that the Savior would be born of a virgin, those who loved God and honored his word believed that. By the time Jesus was born, there was a 4,000-year-old expectancy. And so men were looking for his birth. And the star of Bethlehem, what I believe was a double conjunction between Jupiter and Regulus, that we can take simulation software today that you could plug in any date, 10 years ago, tomorrow night, and it will show you where the planets will be in relationship to the night sky and to the stars in the heavens. And if you take that software, which we've done, we have it in a video called The Planet, Stars, in the Bible, and you run it backwards, and you plug in 2,000 years ago for Christ's birth, there was a double conjunction of Jupiter and Regulus. And Jupiter, what does that mean? That's the king. And Regulus, that's regency, royalty. For for the king of heaven was coming to earth. Back in the day when our culture was not so anti-Christian, the believer Charles Schultz, you've heard of him, he could have Linus read the words of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The Bible is written as a history book. And so Luke continued, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now there was a Hebrew prophet, Micah, who had prophesied centuries before Christ. And he foretold that the everlasting ruler would be born in Bethlehem, that city of David. It's a small suburb of Jerusalem. So Caesar decreed a census of the people. Everyone had to travel to his hometown to register, which historically corroborated the birth of Jesus Christ in the very city that was prophesied the Messiah would come to, would be born in. Because Joseph and Mary went to that city for the census, and Jesus was born there in Bethlehem, as prophesied by Micah, and at the fullness of time, 33 years before the prophesied date of his crucifixion. Caesar's census it not only corroborated the place of Christ's birth, but it also fulfilled the prophecy almost a millennium old in Psalm 87 that the Messiah would be born in the same city as another great leader of Israel's, which referred to King David. Here's what it says in Psalm 87, verse 4. It says, This one was born there. And then repeating that and expanding it in the next verse, this one and that one were born there. And then the next verse, the Lord will record when he registers the peoples, this one was born there. Isn't that interesting? Right? Born where? Well, this one and that one were born there. Born where? Well, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says that the Messiah The Everlasting One will come from Bethlehem. And that's the city of David, where David was born. And the Messiah, according to 2 Samuel, is the son of David. He's a descendant of David. And David is the king of Israel. So this one and that one were born there. This one, the king, and that one, the descendant of the king, the Messiah, were born there. Born where? In this place, Psalm 87 says that the Lord will establish, the Lord will record when he registers the peoples, this one was born there. And so it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And that's when Christ was born there in Bethlehem. Just as David was born in that small village, but later ruled in Jerusalem. He began to reign when he was 30 years old. So too, Jesus, the Messiah, was born of the seed of David, as was foretold by Nathan the prophet, and born in Bethlehem, as Micah had said. And Christ began his public ministry when he too was 30 years old, born in Bethlehem, but being hailed with hosannas and crowned in Jerusalem three years later, king of the Jews. Luke continued, Joseph also went up from Galilee and out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And now listen to Micah's words 600 years earlier. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of you, Bethlehem, out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Thus Joseph brought Mary, heavy with child, to Bethlehem. And then the next verse in Luke, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And we read that she was a betrothed wife. They were not yet married, for Mary was still a virgin. Jesus had to be born of a virgin, as Isaiah had prophesied. Isaiah 7, 14, that the virgin shall conceive, and that would be a sign from God. And his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah prophesied he would be born of a virgin and if he were to live a sinless life, then he would have to be born without an earthly father. For human beings who are conceived naturally inherit their sin from their fathers. And those who are trying to eradicate Christ and Christmas from public discourse, they might as well try to stop the Son from rising in the morning. But those people who do that, they say that men are not sinners, but they're basically good. But perhaps they've never read a newspaper or a history book. For man's inhumanity to man is the story of the human race. It's not incidental. It's the story. And Jesus Christ came to save us from our sin if we humble ourselves and trust in him. So he could not have his own sin. If he did, then someone would have to save him. And so the Savior had to be born of a virgin so as not to inherit the sin of all men. Thus Luke chapter one tells us that the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Wow. Genesis 1 tells us that the stars in the heavens, the stars would be signs. God said he put them in the heavens for signs. And the Bible refers to the ancient zodiac. Did you know that? It mentions the zodiac and it mentions some of the stars and the constellations in the heavens. And the zodiac, it begins, it has 12 signs, and it begins with Virgo, the virgin, and ends with Leo, the lion, And unbelievers, pagans in the world, they don't know where's the beginning of the Zodiac because it's a circle as we go around the sun. and a circle has no beginning or no end. But we know that the story begins with Virgo the Virgin and it ends with Leo the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And each sign of the Zodiac, even to this day, has three constellations that go along with it. And that very first sign, Virgo the Virgin, If you look at a picture of the zodiac, Virgo is holding Coma, the child. The virgin with child, announced in the sky from time immemorial, and the star of Bethlehem, as seen through today's astronomical simulation software, the double conjunction of Jupiter and Regulus, And as you watch in the sky, if you were there 2,000 years ago, as the months pass and the weeks, Jupiter is approaching the star Regulus, and the stars are called the fixed lights, the fixed stars, because they don't move much as compared to the planets as we orbit the sun. And so Jupiter is approaching Regulus, and they touch, and that's what astronomers call a conjunction. And they touch, it appears to us they touch, although they're countless millions of miles apart. But then Jupiter backs up and it goes back away from Regulus and then it heads back to it. And it meets again and touches a second time. And those mark the start and end of the journey of the wise men from the east. Because there was a general time frame given in the Hebrew scriptures about the Messiah and his life and his death how he would meet his death. And so there was an air of expectancy that the Messiah should be coming. And when the wise men in the east, they looked up and they saw Jupiter approaching Regulus, the king of the heavens, the king of the host of the heavens being proclaimed, they thought we should head to Israel, to Bethlehem, because the Messiah is coming. And they traveled for weeks, a couple months, And they kept watching that star. And when they got to Jerusalem and they asked about the Messiah and they knew to go to Bethlehem and they went to Bethlehem and the night they got there was the second conjunction. And so there they were at the manger in Bethlehem with a babe born, no room for him at the inn. And they knew this was the Messiah because they followed the star. And the star stood above that spot when They found Jesus born of Mary. So Genesis 1 tells us that God put the stars in the heavens for a sign. And Genesis 3 prophesies that the Savior would be of the seed of the woman. In 2 Samuel, that he would be a descendant of David. In Psalm 87, that he would be born when the nations were being registered. In Isaiah, that he would be born of a virgin. And Micah, that he would be born in the city of David in Bethlehem, as established by Caesar's decree. And why was this child born in a manger? Well, he was born to die as our Passover lamb. For in a few months from now, we will remember the crucifixion. And then three days later, we will celebrate his resurrection on Resurrection Sunday, Easter. And at the same time that we are remembering Christ's crucifixion, the Jews keep their Passover, the blood of the innocent lamb whose life is given to save them from death. And all that was a prophetic picture of Jesus Christ. He was born in the stable and laid in a manger where the lambs would come to eat their food, the hay. Because he was the Lamb of God. And if we humble ourselves and ask God to forgive us of our sins, then because Christ died to pay the penalty of our sin, that if we trust in Jesus Christ, we can be saved. Without that salvation, what would God have to do with us after we died? Without salvation, God would have to populate heaven with people who would not even admit their own sin and who were not humble enough to ask God for forgiveness, not grateful enough to thank Jesus Christ for the loving gift of his life. That's why Christ said, there is no other way. You must come to the Father through me or you cannot be saved. So throughout the Old Testament, beginning with Adam and Eve, God taught mankind the need for an animal sacrifice, the shedding of blood, the death of a sheep or a goat or a lamb, the death of a firstborn animal, and countless millions of animals have been sacrificed through the ages, all prophetic, looking forward to the death of the one, the only one, known to the world as born in a stable and laid in a box in a manger used to feed animals. Christ was the Lamb of God, the sacrifice that all those animals had died to foretell. And now let's conclude with Luke, chapter 2 and verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her, To be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. For as Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi, Jesus had humbled himself and emptied himself of his divine powers, and he came as a babe in the most humble of circumstances. He came to die, but then to rise again. And the Lord will return one day, though not as a baby again, this time to judge the living and the dead with a sword in his hand. 2,000 years ago, they had no room for him at the inn. Today, they have no room for him in the public square. And they try to deny even the mention of his name. But Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 33 Whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Please ask God for the humility to love and thank Jesus for the gift that He has given us this Christmas season, the gift of His own life as our Savior, and of eternal life for all who believe in Him. Let's pray. And may God bless you all, and may He make His face to shine upon you. Lord God, I ask you that if there is anyone here today who is not a Christian, that that person would seriously consider their life and you as their creator and all you have done for each of us and especially sending Jesus Christ to purchase our salvation with his own blood. Thank you for doing that, Lord. Help me to be so grateful, especially this week, as we remember the incarnation And each of us here. Lord, if there's anyone here who is not a Christian, I pray that you press it on their hearts, the conviction that we have all sinned and fallen short of your glory, and that only through humbling ourselves before Jesus Christ can we be saved. So Lord, press that on each mind and each heart. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who's not a believer, that you would encourage that person to come up and speak to me after the service, or to any of the elders of the church so that we could pray together and usher another soul into the kingdom of God. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Like the ones I used to know Come, they told me, pa-rum-pum-pum-pum new came to see, pa-rum-pum-pum The best time of the year Silent night